What is going on, everybody? First off, thank you for listening. We have a special guest and my favorite repricer, uh, Dylan Carter here. Uh, what's going on, Dylan? What's up, man? I am the repricer, actually. So no, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's good, man. It's good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, kind of give everybody your background. Uh, also, we got sit online too, like always. Like, uh, kind of give everybody your background. How did you even get started with Aurora? And it's goaurora.com. If anybody has any questions about it as well. Yeah. So. Um... I used to be an Amazon seller back in the day, right? Um, it's weird saying back in the day, like 29. But so at the time, I was a, a full-time personal trainer trying to figure out my life. Um, ended up seeing things differently than the GM of the gym, decided to part ways. At this time, I'm basically just testing the waters with FBA, mainly RA, right? Retail arbitrage. Um, and so I'm in a weird predicament. I go, okay, well, my client said they're going to follow me anywhere I go. I'm kind of entrepreneurial. I might start my own gym. I might buy something. I don't know. But that didn't scale. Like I, I, I didn't like the idea that I can't scale my time. And I also didn't like the idea that to make more money, I have to charge people that I have a relationship with more money. Like I, I'm good. So I said, sorry, love you guys. Can't do it. I'm going to do this Amazon thing and keep testing it out. So I spent, you know, 10, 12 hours a day in targets and Walmarts <laughs> scanning everything like we all do. Um, and then realized, okay, well that's more scalable, but it's still based on my time, right? Like if, if I don't source, then nothing gets paid here. So I then started to test OA. That's a little bit more scalable. I could do that in my, in my PGAs. Right. Um, but then you realize there's only so many deals and like, that's, that's still a hustle. So I get to a fork in the road, like most Amazon sellers do. You either go private label or you go wholesale. Private label is awesome. Like you're going to exit that. There's a multiple, like that's cool, but that's not going to pay the bills today. That's a long-term plan. I needed to pay the bills today because I didn't have a whole lot of money. So I went the wholesale route. Um, and I basically made a pact with myself that stated, I am not allowed to buy inventory unless it's wholesale. And I didn't know how to do it. So I left a lot of money on the table to figure this thing out. I put myself in a corner, which for whatever reason works for me. Um, took me like four months of struggling to figure it out. I finally did, um, started to grow it, which is awesome. Didn't get super big, but like paid my bills, went back to school full time actually as a finance major. Um, so it did its job and then, a little past that, I met my co-founder James via Instagram. So this is like a very underrated tactic for everybody. But <laughs> if you want to meet people, just ask them. <laughs> I DM'd everybody who had a wholesale Amazon business on Instagram. I was like, hey, I'll pay you for an hour of your time. Just want to talk, get your opinion on some stuff. A um, bunch of people deny me. Um, James was the first one to be like, hey, let's jump on Skype. Um, don't worry about the money. Like, let's just talk. And we started to hold each other accountable every week. And uh, eventually we're like, Hey, let's go ahead and start a software. Like he had already been working on VinDrive CRM at the time. And he's like, Hey, why don't you come on board? Like, let's do this thing together. And that's what we did. Um, that was kind of fun. Like VinDrive CRM was like our sandbox. We, we learned a lot of things. We got a lot wrong. And then we decided to launch Aura. So go Aura.com. And we wanted to tackle something bigger and repricing was that thing. And so we spent like really James spent like eight or nine months, like locked in a room by himself, like 80 hours a week, just knocking this thing out by himself. And, uh, and we launched, we built up a nice Facebook group where, you know, I've been teaching how to do wholesale sourcing and, and, and teaching for free. Um, I used to do live wholesale sourcing every Tuesday evening in that Facebook group. And we got that group. I think it's coming up on like 15,000 people now. Nice. Um, but we use that and we, and we launched Aura and we've just been growing and, uh, that's when we really took off. So, and that, that kind of brings us up to where we are today. Definitely. Let's kind of depack that. There's, there's definitely a yeah. lot there that a lot of people are interested <laughs> about for sure. Like what was that Eureka moment that you said, okay, I, I want to find something that scales. What was like that yeah. thought process there? Cause not a, that, that's different than most people, how they think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
growing up. So, so I come from, you know, a split family. Um, my parents split when I think I was like three, um, but I was fortunate enough to get an amazing stepfather and he had been running his own business, um, ever since I knew him, which I, we met at like 12. And so it was always cool. I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. Like, like, what do you mean you don't work for somebody else? <laughs> and, and he was actually a DJ like full-time, Very like cool. they like do weddings and stuff like that. So I grew up actually being a DJ, like as a child, which is kind of fun. Um, and so he, he opened my eyes to a different world. And so one, he introduced me to entrepreneurship and, and how to think for myself, which was awesome. But I realized when I started to dive into like reading, I used to hate reading, but once I got into business, I read like it's going, like I still read, like it's going out of style. Same. Right. And so I'm starting to like get other people's opinions on, on these things. And I'm like, okay, well, it's one thing to own a business. It's a different thing to own a company. Those two things are different. And that was a hard lesson to learn. A lot of people, when they get started, go, well, I want to own a business. You don't own a business by definition. If you own something and you're not the technician, it's a company. It's different. Mm -hmm. It exists outside of you. It can exist without you. A business is different. A business is something you start that pays your bills that you have to constantly do. And if you stop, everything goes to zero. But a lot of people are in this mindset of, well, I just want to leave my job. Mm -hmm. I want to do things on my own terms. That's fine. A business will get you there. But then you have to decide once you get to that point, do you want to keep in that cycle or do you want to do something different? Neither one is right or wrong. It depends on the person, right? Some people are like, I like my lifestyle. Like it's good. You know, for me, I, I didn't want my work to be tied to, or my input to be tied to my output. Um, I wanted to be able to hire people. I wanted I wanted to be able to, you know, proverbially make money while I'm sleeping, right? Um, and so scale always mattered because you can just do the math on it, right? If you if you're a personal trainer, you get paid 100 bucks an hour. Okay, well, if you want to make more money, sleep less or charge people more. But you can only charge people so much more, and that does get harder. And listen, there are people that make great money being personal trainers, but those people are far and few in between. So if I make the assumption that I'm not the special edge case here, then I'm not going to do that. But so let's look at, okay, well, what are the other options, right? Um, and that's when I started to think through, okay, well, let's, let's deviate my income from my time directly and go to physical products, right? Because I can get sales in the evening, I can get sales on the weekends when I'm not working. So that's when I started to go through this process of, of kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, well, it's, it's cool to say I make, you know, hundred bucks an hour, but like who really cares in the grand scheme of things? That's really not much. Um, and so I just, I, I keep staying on this path of cool. Like what's more scalable, what's more scalable, what's more scalable. In terms of like taking that step back, I know for a lot of our clients in, in the hammock space, right? Mm -hmm. They're struggling and you probably see it in the Aurora space as well. Like people yeah. struggle to take that step back and then grow their business. They're too, yeah. they're in the, to grow that company rather than they stick yeah. in that business. And I like, I like the the difference between how you put business and company, very unique for people, but like what should, mm -hmm. what should, customers for Aurora and for Hammock do mm -hmm. to take that step back and figure out what I need to automate? How can I get my time back? How can I yep. scale this? Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend two books that are really helpful. One is one most people I've heard of, E-Myth Revisited. I, th I think it's a good primer on this concept. Um, it's not tactical enough for me. Um, it, it, it gives you the, the idea of it in the why, but it doesn't give you the how. Mm -hmm. The second book everyone should read work the system by Sam Carpenter. It's literally free on my, on, on, on the guy's okay. website. Like it's amazing. Great book. It's basically e-myth revisited, but like, here's how I actually did it in my company. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just, you have to, sh you have to make a mindset shift over to 
to systems and processes, right? I get a lot of us start businesses because we don't want to be belabored by, you know, rules and all that stuff. Listen, they will set you free because <laughs> yeah. the moment you have things written down and clarified, you can hand it over to somebody else more easily. A lot of people go, well, I'm just going to hire a bunch of VAs. Okay. But if you don't know how to do the task, why do you assume that you could teach a VA, a VA how to do it? It's like people who don't know how to source for Amazon. They go, well, I'm just going to hire a VA to do that. Okay. But that's like me saying, I suck at baseball, know nothing about it, but I'm going to coach the team. Yeah. No, like no, this is not how this works, man. And so a lot of this stuff is pretty straight forward, but a lot of people are not programmed to think this way. I certainly wasn't when I got started. That's why I read like it's going out of style. And so what you do is you look at going through one of two phases. Um, and it's usually like from one to the other, you start with, okay, here's one system. Um, let's say it's how you source, right? Okay. How do you make that super effective, which is phase one? Once you've made it super effective, then you look to make it super efficient. Now, efficiency could be tools or it could be people, right? Here's where a lot of people get stuck. They go for the efficiency pill before the effectiveness pill. Guess what happens when you become, or when you, when you do that, you become efficiently ineffective. Doesn't make sense, right? So this is the, the proverbial Amazon seller who goes, I am not really good at sourcing. I'm going to hire like 20 VAs. I'm like, great. Your 20 VAs also still suck at sourcing and they're just doing a lot more of it. Like that's, that doesn't solve the problem here. But when you do the unsexy part of, I'm going to figure this whole thing out first. I'm going to get really good at this. And then you can take what you learned, package it and say, okay, cool. Now I'm going to go hire somebody, teach them to be as good as I am. Even if they're 80% as good, that's still a solid win. And now I make it more efficient. And then you're, you're, your role, your responsibility as the business owner is to consistently look at different subsystems in your business, right? So if you break down like Amazon, you have sourcing, you have prep, um, you have sales, right? That might include PPC, listing optimization. All those things are systems, right? So you look at where's your biggest bottleneck, right? Because if listen, if you can't source effectively, um, solving your sales problem is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Right. So a lot of people go, oh, I'm going to get really good at listing optimization. I'm like, well, how many listings do you have? They're like five. I was like, that's not your problem right now. <laughs> um, and so you just do that constantly. Right. Whether it's, you know, you, you know, for us, like we have affiliates, we, we do SEO, we do um, Google ads. Right. So it would have been easy for me to just go hire somebody to do the Google ads. But I'm like, I, I don't know enough to hire somebody. Right. It's easy to be like, just hire somebody. But yep. instead, what I did is I got really good really fast. And so now, and we're talking about this offline, like now Google ads are doing super well for us, Yep. but I've built that system. So if I needed to hand it over to somebody who's already on the team, who's not an expert, they got it right. It's easy. Uh, even when we, when we hired for, um, so I, I did customer support for the first two years. Um, people told me I was stupid because like you're a founder, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, that's literally an incorrect statement in my opinion, because that's the best feedback you will ever get. Yeah. Um, so I did that myself. And what's great is I built the SOPs. I built the knowledge base. Like, it, so we use notion for this. So when we hired somebody to take that over, dude, within two weeks, he was by himself crushing it. Mm -hmm. Not even just like, Oh, like, you know, he can kind of you no know, crushing it literally. Um, actually at the end of week one, he was doing it. I was just kind of paying attention just to, just to make, make sure. But that took a year of me really getting that process down right because I need to become an expert in customer support. How do we do things? I, I mean, I'm not just going to hire somebody and be like, you're now an expert, go figure it out. It's like, no, it's too important. And I think that's where people get stuck. 
Yeah, no, we're even seeing that with Hammock, right? Like, I'm taking on the customer support, like, hit on top of the head. It's because you learn from the customer so much better, yeah. and then you can build your product to how everybody reacts, right? Yeah. It changes the game. It's it's about being um, being a practitioner rather than just yes. tossing it off to somebody. And I've seen the same thing. People that use LaCroix, they're like, I'm just going to get a VA dude. I'm like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> You're missing like, the point. Yeah. Oh, man. my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the uh, effective and efficient, I think uh, in, in, like, my path, it's probably kind of the same, right? It's like you found something that was effective and then you could build it out for efficiency, right? That's how you exactly. get that massive scale growth very quickly. 100%. So like, you know, it's 100% agree. Like we, Ty and I, we're getting drained every day in our business, right? We talk to customers, customers, like some of them have our phone numbers, they text us. And so yep. like, you know, there, we do that kind of stuff, right? But uh, there's, a, there's a switch you made, which is pretty effective is, you know, and you know, we're, we're doing that as well on our side. But the, the question is, how do you think about when, okay, I'm going to pull myself a little bit out of the weeds. Cause what we see with a lot of people yeah. is they have a business. They're like, Hey, I want this thing done perfectly. I want it this way. Yeah. And then they don't scale up because they're, they're not willing to let go a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. Example, we just hired a great salesperson and he's been amazing. But you know, in the first few days when he's ramping up, we knew there's going to be like slight in, like downturn mm-hmm. in terms of how many things, how many leads we close. Right. So yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, don't be a perfectionist. It like it it does nobody any good. Um, so when we hired Finn, I had my metrics for 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 success, right? Um, and it would be inappropriate for me to hold him to that within the first few weeks. So I downgraded it. I said, okay, well, if you get eighty five percent customer satisfaction and your median response first response time is twenty five minutes, you're doing good because you okay. need them to build confidence, right? And what's great is when I did that he hit my regular stuff. <laughs> like it was nothing. Right. But that, be- that was because I was good at training and like, we had all the knowledge written down. Um, there, there's a difference in, in, so here, here's a problem when people hire somebody to like do a, a job, not a task, a job, mm-hmm. you have to give that person the autonomy to actually do it. <laughs> like you, you don't hire an amazing salesperson and then tell them how to do sales. You hired them for a reason. Now you can say, Hey, kind of, here's how we do this thing, but here's, what's interesting. The people you hire have some amazing ideas. So why would you pigeonhole them and say, no, this is the way we do it. What Mm -hmm. if they have better ideas? What if they could double your close rate because they know what the heck they're talking about. So you have to have this level of, Hey, here's how we've been doing it. But dude, if you've got some ideas, like, let me know, like, let's like give them ownership to make the job better. Otherwise, I mean, we're not special, like fun fact for all the business owners. You're not special. You're not, you're not, you're not. I know it's, it's easy to feel that way. Cause you're the top dog. You're not, you're not the smartest person in the room. And if you are, you are hiring the wrong people. Um, Paul, question for you on there, right? So yeah. we internally within our business, we have a metric that we track, right? It is, mm-hmm. It's Airbnb does it. A lot of great companies do it. It's basically, it aligns to the growth of the company, right? So it's not simply like dollars, right? But yeah. it's, you know, for us, it's the number of listings we do per day. Um, okay. So, you know, for you guys, is there a metric you guys do? And especially like when you're talking about like the wholesale game, when you were a wholesaler, mm-hmm. what was your yeah. metric at that time? Yeah. Um, it was not output. Mm-hmm. So I learned this the hard way. Um, you Can you control your sales? No. You can influence them, but you can't control them. You can't be like, well, I put an extra two hours, so we got more sales. No, you didn't. Um, but I can control how many brands I contact. So rather than saying my goal is $100,000 in revenue a month, 
I have two other options. I can spend a hundred thousand dollars a month. That's different. Or it's, I know that based on my conversion rates and blah, 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 that if I call 10 brands per day, I will hit that in three months. Okay. So the goal and the thing you should be tracking is the input. It's mm -hmm. different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. That a lot of people set goals that are vanity based or revenue based. Your, your revenue to me is irrelevant, right? Because okay, let's say you do hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue, but your net profit is one percent. Mm -hmm. I would rather you not grow your revenue and be like, we took net profit from one percent to five percent. That's way better, right? And so a lot of a lot of newer business owners, I think, get trapped in that idea. And like, I mean, it's there's nothing wrong with setting goals, right? But but I think you start to realize what can you actually control and what can't you control and you focus on what you can. Yeah. I'm talking to the same thing. When we used to run LaCroix, it was the same stuff. It's how much money, could we, how much money do we buy a day, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. you can say, okay, our turnaround was 41 days for a complete turnaround, right? Yeah. Uh, we get X, Y, Z. It's like, how much money can we put into the system? Well, I think of it as money in, money out, right? Those are the two yes. metrics that I worried about as a reseller. Um, mm -hmm. And not a lot of resellers, especially like, especially eBay sellers have a, even a harder time than Amazon sellers with that because mm -hmm. there's so much like convoluted uh, things that they do. It's even yeah. it's even tougher to get that metrics down, which we try to push is like listings in, revenue out, right? Those are the two yep. things we try to push as much as possible. Yep. What's interesting is like to, to your point, right? I think a lot of people, they don't look at, they don't understand the metric that you go after. Uh, once they know yeah. the metric, then you can optimize for it, right? If it's contacting brands, you can do that all day, right? But if you sit yep. there at the point like, I want to look at my sales. You can't really influence that. Um, yes. Swiping down on, on the seller central app doesn't actually do anything. Fun fact. <laughs> it's addicting though. Don't even, don't dude, even I, dude, I know it 100% <laughs> is, but like, that's the thing is I, I think people just get too wrapped up in that and, and not realizing what actually moves the needle. And, and what I've learned is what actually moves the needle is the unsexy stuff. You just don't want to do. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. Like, listen, it sucks cold calling brands. Um, you know, knowing that 70% of them are gonna basically be like, no, piss off. And you're gonna do that like Monday through Friday. Like, no, that sucks. But you realize, okay, but if I actually do this for three months, now I have a quarter million, a million dollar business, and like I didn't do anything else. So, like you can peg it, right? So you can say, I don't earn the right to do anything else until I've done that task that actually moves the needle, right? So um, the book by Jeff Woods and I forget the, the other gentleman, um, the one thing, right? Like he talked about this, like boil it down to the singular task that moves the needle the most. I've always said you're, you have one of two things, typically both, and they can be the same. You have your, your biggest growth lever, right? So if you can only do one task, this is like an 80, 20 kind of principle, but if you only have one task, that if you execute correctly, all the other things in aggregate don't equate to that singular thing. This is effectiveness, right? Um, then you have your biggest bottlenecks. Sometimes that can be the same thing, right? Um, but for your biggest bottleneck, if you solve that, that problem, the positive impact compared to all the other things solved at the same time, like it, it's, it's astounding. And so if, if you always know what your biggest growth lever and your biggest bottlenecks are, you know what to do. So for a lot of people, it's, well, I don't know how to source. Okay, well, that could be your biggest growth lever and your biggest bottleneck, solve that. Okay, then it becomes, I don't have enough cash. I know I can, I can onboard tons of you know, brands and blah, 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 but like I need 30 grand. Okay, so your biggest growth lever is more cash. Your biggest bottleneck is more cash, go get more cash. 
it can be that straightforward. It doesn't have to be this whole like convoluted, you know, matrix type thing. It's just, you no, know, focus on what moves the needle and, and forget about everything else. Love it, man. Let's, let's start, let's jump over to uh repricing. What got you guys yeah. into like repricing and Aurora and like, what was like mm-hmm. the mindset there? Obviously in terms of like the scalability and you can kind of touch, touch on that scalability, which we just talked about as well. Yeah. Um, our first software was really niche. It was like only for wholesale Amazon sellers. <laughs> like that was it. Um, so small market turns out that's not a great way to, to build a sizable business. Yep. Um, and so we looked for, okay, well, can we basically build a tool for all resellers, right? We're, we're going to exclude private label. That's not really what we understood. Um, and then we said, okay, well, should we create something completely new or should we just make something way better than what already exists? And we're like, honestly, like Amazon, like software does not evolve very frequently. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. be frank. Like some of these tools have been around and have not changed even their landing page. Like it's terrible. Yep. Um, And so we're like, okay, well, we could have a huge impact with repricing. Like we've seen in our own businesses, like that's the thing we should solve. And and we wanted it to be intuitive and easy for you to get things done, but but complex in the sense of what it does for you, right? So we're trying to bridge that gap. And two, um, one of the pillars was customer support. I I got sick of all the all the software companies in the Amazon space not caring and just being like, it's a number, don't worry about it. this is why early on is like, I'm not outsourcing customer support. I will do it. I will jump on the phone with you. Like, and we still do stuff like that. Um, and we're still growing. Right. And for us, I wanted to solve that problem. I didn't want people to jump into a tool and feel alone. I wanted them to know the team, know the names and, and, and basically be able to rely upon us and know that, you know, we'll do work for you. Like if you're like, Hey, I got, I got five minutes to get 30 minutes worth of work done. Tell me what you need done. We'll get it done for you you're confused and overwhelmed with creating your strategy, we'll create one for you. Like we'll educate, like we do all these things because I want people, even if they do leave us, to leave us better than they came in. Um, and we've had impact. Like, it, it, you know, for me, impact is very important. Like we, we have a Slack channel and it's, it's just all the nice messages we get from either within support, I get via email, and it's just cool knowing that we're having a positive impact. And, and you know, we get messages where people are like, hey, like you doubled my sales. Or like, hey, I'm about to go full time. And like, that's because of you guys. Like, that's insane, right? Like outside the money, you're like, damn, dude, that's cool. So, you know, for us, we wanted to have that impact and we couldn't have a large enough impact with the CRM just because again, we're, we can only, you know, support so many wholesale sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of the reason we went for for repricing. And um, you talked about, Two things in terms of, so do you, 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 um, in terms of the repricing, do you guys have like a secret sauce that like made you guys stand out? I, I know it. So yeah. like, it's got a load of question, but <laughs> super, no, I'm just kidding. Um, for us, it was speed. This was a big deal. Um, it, it was speed and it was cost. Like this is a very thing. Um, we didn't want to be the cheapest and we did not want to be the most expensive. We wanted to be a value. That's different, right? It's like, how can we offer, especially at the time, instant repricing without charging you $300 a month? It's not, I don't think it's worth $300 a month. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just not. Like, you know, it, it is repricing. And once you get the instant, there is no better, right? Yes, there's different strategies and stuff, but let's just talk about per, like, performance. Um, so speed was, was a major win. Um, two was, like, some safety net features. So 
you know, there have been repricing tools that have unfortunately taken people's prices to pennies <laughs> in, in the history of Amazon. And we were aware of that. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we didn't build it to do that, but like, let's just make sure. Right. And so now if there hasn't been an organic repricing um, or in a great, an organic price change in the past three hours, we'll trigger one just to, just to make sure, just to make sure you're good. Um, and then we started to, and this is more recently started to look at the things surrounding repricing. It's like, okay, we got repricing down, but what about the tasks that you still have to do as a user? That's why we started to develop this idea of workflows. I was like, but you shouldn't still have to, to log in and, and tell Aura what strategy to use or toggle on repricing or all that stuff. Like this should be a completely invisible automated system. So with workflows and inventory lab integration, it's completely automated. Your call, so listings get pulled in from Seller Central. Your costs get pulled in from inventory lab. Your strategy gets automatically applied and toggled on via workflows. And if your strategy is automatically sending your min price, that was done too. So guess what you had to do to get those like four or five tasks done? You listed your inventory in inventory lab the way you have always had to do. But because you did that one thing, it, it, it cascaded this domino effect where a lot of other things got done. Um, and that's where we're starting to focus now on, you know, we can, again, you can't beat instant repricing, right? I, I can't foresee the future, but I can make your life easier. And I've always said, as an Amazon seller, you need to be spending 80, you know, really like 90, 95% of your time sourcing. Yep. So every minute you're in Aura, you're not sourcing. So let's reduce that. Love it, man. Question for you on there. So like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I guess just for people that don't know you so far. Um, yeah. You guys launch, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how, like, you know, how many customers, whatnot, just some sort of a, to let them know how much value you're giving to other, to the, uh, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, when did we launch? <laughs> I, I think it was like 20, 2018. Sometime in 2018, I know it's December because I, I flew to Amherst um, on on my winter break between classes to launch, which was cool. Uh, we have like a whole launch video we made, which I'll, I'll send over. It was pretty fun. Um, in terms of users, we don't really share too much. I mean, we're, we're pretty sizable. Um, we're well over like 1,500 users though. Um, and we're, we're adding a few hundred, multiple hundreds per month at this point. Like our growth rate has actually just recently like really kicked up. Um, so we're growing fast. I mean, it, it's been fantastic in terms of, you know, size, I would say we're pretty sizable, um, but we're still a small team. So you're on mute. Now I was going to say, you know, just, I, I think just kind of like the range of games more than good enough, right? Basically yep. it shows that like, Hey, you guys are a big enough company. You're already supporting a ton of customers. Oh, yeah. It's out there. That's great, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on my growth. So what, what's yeah, thanks. next you guys? Like, you know, in terms of, how you think about evolving uh, as a company? Because this mm -hmm. kind of goes back to like, you know, um, wholesalers, when as they're evolving, they go to the next level. How do you get yep. to the last of that? Yeah, this is something we're, we're really considering. Um, we're leaning more towards like game theory, excuse me, at the, at the moment. Um, so like we use machine learning at our server levels now, which helps with speed. Um, we want to kind of really dive deeper into AI-based repricing strategies. Um, so it's a little bit more, you know, profile-based and, and making some of its own decisions, which is fun. Um, that's probably gonna, you know, that kind of next tier, so to speak. Um, that's where a lot of your really, really large sellers kind of sit. So we'll be able to 
to support that. But the good news is like we have sellers as small as 5,000 a month and upwards of multi multiple millions per month in, in revenue using the, the same system. Um, and it was kind of built for that. It was built to, to be that way. Now, a lot of your really, really large Amazon sellers end up building their own custom solution just because they're very specific in what they want. Um, and we're just not in the, the habit of building custom software at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so, so probably that route. Um, there's a few bugs we, we still want to fix, you know, just like UI stuff. Um, but right now, like it's just, it's growing so fast. We're, we're just trying to play, play keep, you know, uh, just trying to keep up. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's a good place to be at. Right. That's great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're like, I, I'm just trying to breathe right now, man. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, good. Yeah. And in terms of let's, let's touch on the last thing. I know, I know it's a, a passion for you and for myself as well. Uh, yeah. Watch resale. Kind of give everybody your back yeah. about watch resale because we have a lot of uh, eBay resellers that listen to this okay. as well that might want to get into it. Kind of, kind of flex your knowledge uh, of the watch resale game. Yeah. Um, so definitely not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but for, for one year and it, I, haven't, I haven't done it recently just cause time. Um, but for one year, I, I basically bought war and sold like 80 grand worth of watches, <laughs> like in school, like it was, it was sick. Um, and it started with this whole idea. Like I, I like this idea of like lifestyle hacking, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well I can't afford these things, but like, how can I like finesse it to make it worth it? Right. And so at the time I had like a few grand, um, I was like, you know what? I can probably buy like a used Omega, right? And so bought my first Seamaster Planet Ocean um, XL. Loved that watch. And then I sold it for like 2,500. I was like, oh, interesting. Like there's a whole world here. And, and you, you realize a lot of these luxury items, um, you don't have to pay retail. Buying used is not a problem as long as you're doing your you know, due diligence on mainly the seller. Um, and, and the depreciation schedule is pretty interesting. So a lot of your luxury items like cars as well, like your exotics, um, take their biggest depreciation after they're sold at retail. But time doesn't, it's not a time depreciation thing. It's a condition, right? So you can take the same watch. So that same watch, you know, retail that I think it's like 6,700. You can buy it right now, probably 25, three, three grand. That watch is not going to depreciate if it just sits in your closet. It won't. It's actually going to appreciate over a longer period of time. So what I realized is I could buy it at that level, enjoy it, not bang it up, obviously, and resell it for basically what I paid, if not a bit more, depending on how aggressive my buy cost was. Uh, so for me, it wasn't necessarily like a business. Uh, like I made some money on some watches, lost some money on others, but basically just broke even. I was cool with that. You know, I was like, hey, I got to wear all these watches. I got, I got to wear a $15,000 watch for nothing. That's insane, right? Um, and so I like that kind of world. You know, I'm real big into like travel hacking, using points. Um, yep. used, to, used to write for a blog, 10xtravel.com that still exists. I used to write for them on, on travel hacking. Um, you, know, you can do this stuff with exotic cars. I'm in the city now, so I can't touch cars for a while. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's a fun hobby. It, it can be a lot of work, which is why I don't do it right now. Because um, it's a lot of sourcing deals, but as odd as it is, the best deals are on eBay. Cause here's, here's what, what happens. The salesperson gets their bonus. They go buy that, you know, $6,700 watch. Then the next quarter, it's not so hot. They got to sell it. You know, the girlfriend, their wife's pissed off. Um, so they throw it up on eBay cause that's where they know to go. And they realize actually this thing's selling for like three grand. So I come in, I go, Hey, I'll give you 2,500 cash right now. I'll wire you the money. So you don't have to pay the fees. We'll take this thing offline. They're like, all right, sounds good. It's been sitting here for like two months. I need to get rid of it. I go, okay, sounds good. Pick it up, 
enjoy it, resell it, and I'm good. Question: How do you how do you make sure the watch is real? It's not fake. Yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> it, it really depends on the model. So, it's like some models are, and some brands are more like faked than others. Like Hublot is hyper faked at this point. Um, Big Bangs are super faked. Um, I, I've never touched Rolex. Um, it's just not a world I understand. I'm not a huge fan of Rolexes, to be honest. Um, Panerai's are less faked, but they can be. I mean, everything can be, right? So. I, I just relied upon the community. So I was in like a watch traders group. I'd be like, Hey, here's the, here's the screenshots. Like, what do you guys think? And a lot of these guys get super in depth on certain like brands. They'll be like, Oh, that's like one centimeter off. That's, that's fake. Like, I don't need to really be an expert in a lot of this stuff. I just need to know a few experts <laughs> and be like, Hey, like, what do you, like, would you buy this? And if they're like, no, I'm like, all right, then I'm not. Um, but some, you can kind of tell, I mean, I'm a lot of the times I'm not buying this like in person. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm wiring them the money, which is a risk and having them ship it to me. So that's why I keep saying like, you're buying the seller. Mm-hmm. So if I feel kind of weird about it, like, Hey, let's jump on the phone. Mm-hmm. Cause people do fraud. That's a thing, right? Especially in the watch world. So it's like, Hey, let's jump on the phone. Let's have a conversation. See if you're normal. Hey, text me your, your driver's license. I'll text you mine just for security. And we'll kind of go from there. Um, luckily a lot of, you kind of build a community. So a lot of times guys will just buy and sell watches with each other just to like keep stuff moving. And, and, you know, if you bought some, something from somebody else and it's been a good relationship, you know, you're solid. And the cool thing about watches, especially in the watch world, your reputation matters tremendously. So the moment somebody like realizes that you sold a fake and you knew or didn't do anything about it, like you're done, like you're not doing business ever. Um, so the good news is if you're buying from the right people, if they didn't know it was fake and you found out it was fake, they will give you the money back and be like, that's on me. They will take the L for you. And that's how it should be. Like, that's what I would do. Like if I found out I accidentally sold a fake cause I just didn't know, I'm like, here's your money back. That's on me. Like I'm taking the L. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust. Uh, one quick thing I'll tell you, talk about travel hacks. This happened a while back. Uh, it was before I had a credit card. Um, so, uh, but there was this time where the U.S. government said, like, hey, if you pay, if you buy uh, coins with a credit card, yep. we'll give you a yep. dollar for dollar, right? So you you went and yep. bought 100 bucks of coins, uh, you know, with your credit card, they'll give you like $100 worth of coins back. Yeah. And so people basically maxed out their credit cards because of mm-hmm. the points. And they took all these things. Like one, one dude, I think he had like a million dollar limit. He maxed it out, yeah. got a million bucks of coins, and then went to the bank and deposited the whole thing. But that gave him points, right? (laughs) Yeah, there's been a few things. I remember hearing about that. There was another one. um, So what we used to do is we would basically go to like a CVS or a Walgreens and buy Visa gift cards. Um, They usually have a daily limit of two two grand. So I would go in and be like, hey, I want two grand. So I'd buy like four or $500 Visa gift cards. And then I would bill pay that money back over to my credit card. Now there's a fee involved, right? But I'm like, I'm going to spend a hundred bucks to get like a thousand dollars worth of points. Like done, I, I can scale that. But one, it was like a Northern version of CVS and Walgreens. I forget what it's called. For whatever reason, they did not have a daily limit. So this guy had like a $50,000 credit limit. It went every day and bought 50 grand worth for like a month. It was, it was nuts. And finally they're like, all right, dude, like you can't keep doing this. Like, this is weird. Um, But, but now, so, you know, the methods evolve. It's called manufacturing spend because, a lot of times, like what we used to do is apparamas. So basically you would, you would try to get like, you would submit five applications in like one day. And, but for, for, let's say you had three for one bank, that would only be um, shown as one hard limit or hard uh, credit hit. So, so you kind of, you know, decrease the risk on your credit score there. And then you would have to spend, you know, typically between three and five grand within three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we would just manufacture spend. Yeah. Now it's not really the case. Now you kind of have to spread it out. So you just put all your bills on your credit card and pay it off and it's fine. <laughs> By the way, if you, if you Google manufacture spending, it's a totally legit thing. It's not illegal. Like yeah. no. really do it, right? It's just, uh, you're just, mm-hmm. you're just gaming the system. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a fee for it, right? So like you're, you're still losing something, but yeah, it's not illegal. I double checked. I remember the first time I walked into CVS and the manager was like, but why do you want to buy two grand worth? <laughs> He's like, is this fraud? I was like, no. And I, I explained to him what I was doing. He's like, I mean, it's your credit card, but like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Well, I'm going to be in here the next four days also buying two grand worth. He's like, <laughs> that's fine, man. And I remember like one of the employees was like, this is weird. We get my manager. He's like, nah, nah, he's good. And I was like, this guy literally thinks like we're doing some shady stuff here, but no, it's, it's just super basic stuff. Um, but yeah, the whole manufacturing spin stuff is really like gaming. The system is kind of fun to me. Like it's a really interesting thing, whether it's watches, whether it's cars, whether it's, you know, travel, um, all of it I want to do. Last thing, any Amazon seller out there, you can do a couple like hacks like that as well, using yeah. your credit card, using uh, Retunken, using, I use uh, those other secondary sites. So you get your points and you get extra points on top. Um, yep. I spent about a million bucks in one year. So there was, there was a decent amount of extra points yes. that came in really nicely. Yeah, that's the ultimate hack. Start start an Amazon business because the capital requirements are so damn high. Yeah. <laughs> and you just put it all on credit cards and immediately pay it off. Yep. I know a lot of people are like, against that but uh no it's it's a great way to get some lifestyle hacks out of it definitely well dylan first off thank you for jumping on uh hopefully everybody took some um good knowledge of this especially 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 can't stress this enough about the systems that he was talking about uh very very helpful and last but not least uh check out goaurora.com and we have a we have a code for you guys hammock h-a-m-m-o-q all capital you guys Mm -hmm. get 15 percent off uh and you still get that 14 days free so all we know i'll be handing that out to everybody that uses uh i I, aurora is my go-to across the board love it man love it Thanks for checking out our hammock channel. Smash the like button and subscribe by clicking that button down below. And click any of our videos over here.